0: Welcome to Cass and Joel have one hour to design a game. The running time for this episode is one hour and nine minutes. Enjoy the show.
1: What do you do? I am a web developer and sometimes game designer. How about you? I am a cartographer and doer of voices. What are we doing on this finest of evenings? Uh, I think we are trapped here and we can't get out unless
0: we make a game in one hour. That is allegedly the premise of this show, yes. So, without any further ado, what are the criteria by which we must abide ourselves on this night? Well, the
1: machine has told us that we need to make a game in the visual novel genre, which worries me a little because we're doing tabletop games, uh, Mm. and I don't know if the machine knows that. It also says that we have to use a rule for inconvenient superpowers, which sounds cool. Uh, The setting must be military, and the theme must be myth, for a loose enough definition of must. But so far, we've tried to get as many of them as we can. Yes, and our
0: time begins now. Uh, Well, my head is empty. What about you? Myth and military immediately screams, like, Sparta or Ancient Greece to me. But I wonder if we can completely go away from that, since that's the obvious choice. Like Star Wars? Ooh. I was thinking just a different part of the world, but yeah, kinda. I guess that does have military myth and potentially inconvenient superpowers. I guess, yeah. If it's all, like, Jedi's but... Like, in a time of complete peace where you don't need to do fighting and you just have to do other things with your powers. (laughs) Could Hmm. also be a sort of X-Men-ish type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, well,
1: inconvenient superpowers and military might go together, like if the superpowers caused you to have to join the military, or if the military is after you for your superpowers.
0: Uh, I mean... Military being involved, like, you don't necessarily have to be in the military. They just have to be around, like, you could be uh, fighting against the military.
1: Yeah. How would we interpret visual novel in a tabletop context, do you think?
0: Good question. What are the elements of a visual novel? Branching story is pretty a pretty strong element.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Usually some s- dialogue. Yeah, dialogue-based with images. I'm seeing a maybe a sort of improv-heavy game. I'm thinking you have a sort of paper doll um, of your character, and the game is about drawing things from a pile that are essentially like additions you add on to your character to define more about them. And maybe it's um maybe it's a kind of tabletop RPG-esque thing in the style of stuff like the Arkham Horror card game. Where you're you're building a character, and then you also have a deck of cards that's sort of the adventure deck, and you're kind of building A narrative adventure with challenges in it and you have to get through that hmm okay
1: and there's also with um the the thing that came to mind when you talked about you know some kind of a paper doll and you're building your character is the idea that you know you keep drawing more superpowers but they can conflict with each other or synergize in in good or bad ways and so you're trying to accommodate them on
0: on your character yeah, I mean I I kind of like the idea of a card-based cooperative versus the deck RPG card RPG and you have like raided the the league of superheroes have all flown off to um <laughs> you know, deal with a cosmic level threat. And you're just a bunch of street level superheroes and you've been left with their massive base <laughs> to just keep your city safe. And basically you've just broken into their wardrobe and <laughs> you, you have pieces of all of their costumes and that determines what your powers are. Oh. And that's how you're having to sort of save the world.
1: Another idea taking the inconvenient superpowers in a direction of the superpowers are conflicting is if they are all... You have, like, a character shape. uh, An inconvenient shape, So shall we say, that you have to set everything in, but everything is a different size and shape.
0: So it's like playing horrible Tetris. Yeah, like your, your character build has to be Tetris. Oh, and different bits could, like add more like you could have something that's this is an arm but the arm is also holding a bag so you've sort of got an extra slot (laughs) and things like this this backpack gives you more arms okay i think you'd have to do it like i I think you'd have to make each i'm picturing these as sort of cardboard cutouts that you pull from like a bag okay and i guess each would have to have like a section or a number of sections marked out in a particular colour of, like, okay, the, this is the attachment point and whatever attachment you have has to kind of fit into this slot, maybe? Or, ooh, it could be done like puzzle pieces, maybe? But that doesn't really... You kind of need to be real generically shaped for the Tetris thing to work, otherwise it's sort of... You want the awkward creativity, I think? Right, so a couple... A couple thoughts here. So one is like
1: physically, the pieces could be yeah shaped like various people in different poses, um, maybe mm. superhero poses, maybe not. Uh, and they would just have the outline would be raised, so they're almost like little trays or just you know dual layer cardboard things. Um, And the pieces that you put in just are the superpowers. There's no attachment points. You can rearrange. In fact, part of the panic will be trying to rearrange to fit a new power in um, as your pieces uh, clash against each other. This sounds stressful, but anyway, that's one idea. I'm
0: I'm feeling this also is another game with a timer in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like Operation, except it doesn't buzz at you and explode. Um, I mean, maybe the bomb does. Maybe you're trying to do that, but that's not really a... I mean, that is military. It's not myth. Uh, I
0: like it. I have a different, a completely different direction. Okay. Well, thought B first. Thought B first. Yeah. Have you ever played Isle of Cats? No. Okay.
1: Well, it's a game where you are placing tetromino shaped cats uh, or pentromino. I don't know. I think they have like five or six blocks. But anyway, these these fairly regularly shaped cats onto boats and trying to cover up entire rooms and things like that. Uh, but the cats are all like laying or lounging in different positions so you're trying to slot them all into each other but they do at least fit on a grid
0: okay Hmm.
1: and that would sort that would add some structure to it like every Mm. power or device would have a certain shape made out of blocks that you'd have to line on the grid if you didn't want to do freeform Uh, but those are both ideas for literally having to Uh, fit superpowers onto yourself um, and maybe have to throw some out if you can't fit them all and uh, try to figure out what you need probably under a timer
0: okay so I have a complete tangential thing that is Mm -hmm. entirely different so a lot of visual novels are also dating
1: sims yes relationships are a common thing in visual novels that you manage or build Mm.
0: what if you are not playing... I, okay, so that this covers, I think, basically everything. What if you're not playing any of the characters? You're playing the superpowers themselves. The military are basically... Tra- you're playing, like, the microbes that cause the superpowers. The military want to decontaminate everyone that they catch with these microbes. So you're... Your secondary ongoing goal is do not get decontaminated, or else you lose. And your primary goal is, um, via the the use of your powers, you need to infect various visual novel-style characters in such a way to get the outcome you want. I don't know whether that's your character wins... Or whether it's like, well, I want the ending to be everyone hates each other, just <laughs> a particular relationship dynamic. I kind of like the idea of a competitive dating sim visual novel board game, except none of you are playing any particular character. None of you want a particular person to win. You just want you're competing for what the general end state is. Hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: That is very off the wall, which is interesting. Where's the myth
0: come in? Ooh, everyone could be gods. I'm mm. I'm sure there's been an absolute ton of visual novels that I, you know, this is a dating sim, except it's the Greek gods. In fact, I'm certain that there's been loads of those. That's probably true.
1: I haven't really played very many, but I, I assume that's a thing that's happened.
0: <laughs> mm. I mean, I think Hades is kind of that from what I've
1: heard. Yeah, like there's... It definitely has the Greek gods and managing relationship with them, sort of, but it's it's not necessarily branching, I don't think. I haven't gotten super far in Hades, uh, but I don't think it's really necessarily branching or dialogue-focused. But it does have, I think it takes some inspiration from the visual novel genre.
0: Yeah, but I that's a potential thing we could do. Because um, I think gods is pretty easy to slot in with that. It's true, yeah. Because theme, theme
1: can mean what the point of your story is, or it can just mean, like, the uh, the set dressing. Although
0: we already have setting, so... If we're the... I, I said, like, bacteria causing the superpowers, we could each just be playing a different deity that's causing the superpowers. And we need to... I wonder... Okay, here's a framing device. We're each a... We are each an oracle. And our objective is to um, basically we each draw a random prophecy and we have to win the game by setting up the situation that makes our prophecy come true. (laughs) Oracle, prophecies don't come true on their own. There's the tagline. Yes, exactly. And we do that basically by casting spells that give inconvenient superpowers to the various characters in play. Hmm okay so we're same mechanics just a different
1: a different yeah we're we're somewhat limited in the abilities we can give people because we're not like you're not the full gods yeah so here's another tangent um Mm -hmm. with the idea of a visual novel but you're not playing a particular character here's a different spin on that you're a visual novel but you're not playing the protagonist everyone is the npcs everyone's the potential relationships (laughs) Okay. And the protagonist is just the game or the it's it's no one's playing the protagonist, but you're all Mm. trying to do something with the protagonist, either get with the protagonist or get rid of them. You're playing you're playing all the love interest in a visual novel. Each player is a different one. So it's competitive.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds fun. I guess you're all sort of grabbing a different like character archetype as your thing. Could be. Yeah. And you're in
1: not necessarily Greco-Roman, but, you know, some sort of ancient to medieval military supernatural academy thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're all the you're all the little godlings at the God Academy. And so you can just mix up mythologies with no regard for uh, whether it makes sense as long as it looks cool. Although then I guess at that point you're not fighting. You're not military
0: hmm if we are it's only myth and there's a kind of myth we've been ignoring lies that's no urban myths (laughs) what if it's the same the same concept but everyone's playing a cryptid yes
1: everyone's a cryptid at a secret military base because it turns out the Mm. government does know about the cryptids and
0: they won't tell you because they're top secret agents yes oh and that that's the thing is you (laughs) you everyone's trying to romance the game protagonist because the end game is the protagonist helps one of you escape the facility oh that's so you have to romance the protagonist in order to escape hmm it's very dark, but we're already we're already playing cryptids in a, a secret facility. <laughs> I think the level of dark in this is probably gonna come down to what kind of artwork it has. I mean that could be, yeah. And the cryptids, I think it's pretty easy to give them all different, like you know, different powers and objectives and stuff. Like the I I guess like the Mothman one of your objectives is you have to get the protagonist to shut off like my brain keeps saying glass dome but i'm thinking like electrified you know ceiling thing so you have to get them to turn away. off the lights so that you're not mesmerized yeah. and can escape <laughs> yeah i think there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of good stuff with that okay things are fun
1: I like the idea, too, of combining this with the stupid superpower jigsaw puzzle placement game. Or not jigsaw puzzle, but just randomly shaped objects trying to put it in your cryptid silhouette. Bigfoot's got lots of foot space, at least. Um, And so you've got these... Maybe you're just being mutated by the government. Who knows? Uh, But you need certain ones to accomplish various goals to progress your story with the uh, protagonist. Maybe the rounds all happen in real time. Like, everyone draws maybe there or there maybe you draw a card for the protagonist and there's like three possibilities whoever gets one of them f- fits one of these requirements first uh manages to progress the rela- their relationship level with them um and then it's like okay go and then you can grab powers from
0: bags and try and fit them in I don't know <laughs> I also think if we're going if we go a bit harder on the the visual novel side of it if the game is fundamentally about manipulating the protagonist, what if it is a... I, I'm seeing sort of three actions, effectively. You have your do your, you know, advance your escape plan action. a, a pl- An action to influence where the protagonist is, because I'm picturing this as a board with many locations, so the protagonist is moving around different areas, and that's key. And the third is to learn about the protagonist. And when you do that, I'm just picturing a big, like, a big deck of cards that each have, like, one like and one dislike on them. And so those are something, instead of it being, like, at some point players are going to come into conflict and you have to decide who who wins and who gets to, you know, make the protagonist do what they want, since so it's a sort of a competitive manipulation game. And I think maybe you roll a D6 and then these are modifiers or maybe it's just purely cards. But I'm thinking you look at what you've got in your Tetris build and what your opponent has and then you're adding up modifiers by playing your cards and being like, well, I've got I've got this card and this card and this card. And if I combine them, then that's three things about me they like and two things about them they don't like. And that's effectively five points in my favor. So I think it's sort of about making your build, but also learning enough about the protagonist that you can use that to turn them off of other people. Okay. Well, if you draw a card to
1: learn about the protagonist, unless it's public, then you wouldn't really necessarily be able to use that to someone else's disadvantage because... I mean, like, unless you spring it on them. I'm trying to think of how that would work, because otherwise... It, so you draw a thing about the protagonist. Well, that applies to everybody. and In
0: fact, it might be worse for you. Now, if you draw two and pick your favorite... I I was picturing them as being hands. So you just draw cards into your hand, and then you get to spring it. And, like... May, hmm, I don't know. So maybe... Originally, I was thinking you just play it and the card goes away. But maybe no. Maybe you... It's in your hand and unused until you play it, but once you play it, it permanently is added to the protagonist.
1: <laughs> okay, and so that could influence things
0: you're trying to put in your build if you're planning ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting a more and more complicated protagonist as the game goes on. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, I, I think it's also possible to be like, and this is a way you remove cards from the protagonist, but... And I... I guess at the end, it basically comes down to you need to have the protagonist in the, the power station to turn off the electric fence, and they also must like electronics and not hate manual labour. And if you satisfy all those conditions, then you can take your action to escape. Okay. So I... I kind of like the idea of this
1: there being this free for all real time scramble of trying to arrange things, but on the other hand, visual novels are famously not real time scrambles.
0: Famously slow as balls. <laughs>
1: uh, so maybe it is turn based, but possibly one of the actions you could do is like go to the lab and get mutated, and so then you start like a thirty second sand timer, or even better, a ticking one. If we're imagining we can make whatever components we want and you have until then to like draw things out of the bag but you can only have one at a time and then if you don't like it you have to put it back in the bag and pick another thing and you're trying to like replace you can add and replace things on your board until the time runs out and now you've updated your build like there could be different actions like you do that you could learn about the protagonist by drawing a card i'm trying to think of a way to make each kind of turn somewhat equivalent, so it's not like, oh, one person's just drawing a card every turn, and they're real fast. Another person is, like, rearranging every turn, and it
0: takes forever. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, is there a way to do a game that is real-time, but there is no scramble at all? Like, somehow a real-time game where it's slow. I think that would be
1: if the thing that you are that's slowing you down is you're waiting for your opponents to do something and you're reacting to each other. That's still scrambly. Maybe.
0: Um, hmm.
1: I can't think of a real-time tabletop game I've played that wasn't scrambly.
0: What if everyone may do something there's one turn that everyone shares everyone may do something but if you choose not to do something then like once the first person does the thing you get to do you, like i guess it's in phases of like first you have you get one action but the different actions you can take all go in a prescribed order through the turn but that still isn't really like, you know, that, that's just a turn.
1: Yeah. Well, and here's another way we could do it is let's say uh, the military send you to the mutation lab on a regular basis. You know, once a day, every, every game turn is a day. Every round is a day. At the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, let's say it's the beginning of the day. Uh, you. So that means you can start the game off this way. You go to the lab uh, to have your daily experiments done, um, and in that, that's the real-time scramble of, like, you have a certain amount of time where you're drawing things out of uh, maybe a bag, and uh, you you can add or change things on your character. Uh, maybe there's some rule about getting rid of stuff, I don't know, and... Then when that's done, everybody, okay, your builds have been updated for the day. And then, then you're doing normal turn things like, okay, well, do I want to draw cards, play cards? You're making decisions kind of in reaction to that and based on what the protagonist wants and what you want Ooh. from the protagonist.
0: So it alternates. What if it is a timer? Um, Like, every turn is a timer. And as soon as the timer ends, someone turns it over and a new turn starts. So you can only act while the sand's going. But the action you can take depends on what room you're in. That way, everyone... There is no mad scramble. Because... No two people can be taking the same action simultaneously. So if you're rearranging because you're doing an experiment, no one else can be in that bag with you. So... There is a time aspect to it, but it's a lot more chill because you don't have to fidget with other people, basically. Okay, so
1: you have different mini games then for the different rooms.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you have you have manipulating yourself. Um, you have maybe affecting the board, like setting up locations in some way. You have learning about the protagonist, and then I guess you have manipulating the protagonist? Okay. Hmm. I feel like this game may have gotten somehow both less interesting and more complicated simultaneously. <laughs> it's sort of t- turning into a
1: worker placement game, except you are, you are, you are the yeah. worker. You one worker.
0: Okay, should we step back a moment from this... I, I like the theming. I think the theming's great. I think we may need to take it in a totally different direction mechanically. Okay.
1: What do you think? I, I like the stupid trying to arrange oddly shaped superpowers inside of your cryptid silhouette. I like that aspect. Mm. Um, I'm less attached to the others. Okay.
0: Hmm. Well what if it's a momentary thing like each location has a a sort of genre of challenge on it and your goal is i to simplify it you have basically two currencies one is hearts, and you get that for completing challenges while in the same room as the protagonist, and you need a certain number of hearts to begin your escape plan. And the other is a resource that is used to modify yourself. Um, and when you... M- maybe it's not a game just about acquiring new abilities and Tetrising them, what if it's also about discarding them? So you want to set yourself up to accomplish particular types of challenge, go do them, and then you know, return back with other stuff. Ooh Okay. What if each room it instead of each room, each challenge is a particular shape and the challenge is what you then take and have to put on your your paper doll
1: hmm so what would that um, what would those challenges be then so you're, you're just you're really building so when you're building your paper doll I should lean closer to the mic when you're building your paper doll then you are just kind of building a history I guess hmm I kind of like the idea of sticking superpower just on every part of your body and rearranging them. Like that's that's funny to me.
0: Mm. Hmm. Hmm. So, okay. So, what do the? How do we mark the superpowers? Like, are we are the superpowers? Do they give you a numerical stat? Do they give you a like a a descriptive tag? That is useful somehow. I think shapes and colors is is uh, helpful for us.
1: Um, like they might have, you know, a lightning bolt because it's an electrical superpower. It might have like two fists because it's too strong at fighting. Um, it might have like a uh, an X over a mind because you kind of go berserk during it and you don't you don't think as well, so you lose
0: one mind point. Um, Ooh, what if? we're already dealing with weird shapes with the powers what if when you do your when you enact your escape plan there is a randomly generated from the deck a sort of a map that you have to go through and as you enact your escape plan you have to take the powers off of your character to represent using them and basically build yourself a a path through that that generated exit route avoiding all the all the dangers okay so you have to spend those powers to yeah hmm. like your final build is i need to be able to use all these the shape of all these powers to get to build myself a route out
1: oh the shape rather than the things on them Um. yeah
0: so if if all of the powers are a grid and the map is also a grid you have the map of like yeah there's pits here and there's fire here and you you have to build yourself a safe route through it so it's and then maybe also the powers do have a stat on them so it's like well this is good stat wise so it helps me in the immediacy it means I can get enough hearts to start my escape route faster, but it's only, like, two squares next to each other. It's crap for my actual escape. I think that has an interesting bit of tension to it.
1: I think, depending on whether you're limited and the rate you can get new powers, if you if you aren't, then small ones are actually good because they're more flexible. You can kind of place them however you want. Um, yeah big ones are actually harder uh, but if you can only get say one new one per turn then it's a little more limited
0: we've been assuming that the powers are coming randomly from a bag what if it's clear what where each power is so the players have to fight a little bit to get particular ones
1: okay So you know that there is this power is available this turn. So you're trying to be the first
0: one to get it. Maybe it's like there's several there's several power rooms and or experimentation rooms. And if you can see just place next to each room is the power you'll get from going there. And then when someone gets that power, then a randomly picked one replaces it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So we're sort of—it's not really a deck builder. It's like, but it is a character building game. Hmm. So, and here's
1: here's a totally uh, different thought about the way the game board works. Is what if you you don't need a board? If you have if you are already using cards, you don't need a board. Like think to something like one of those party games uh, where you have like a card with different categories on it. Um, of trivia or things you have to act out or something like that. Um, Those could themselves like have locations on them because location in like a visual novel is often just, I think, a a theme like a... I, I guess it is where certain things can happen, but you don't necessarily have a map or a book. I'm a little out of my depth. Maybe some of them do have maps, but map or a book, a map or a board.
0: Yeah, I mean... My reasoning for having a board is because that allows the, you know, using the shapes for the escape attempt, which I think is a pretty cool, a cool mechanic. Yeah. But if we want to toss that mechanic, then, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a need for a board. But also, I'm pretty sure visual novels often have the sort of, you know, it's split into lots of locations Mm -hmm. and part of the decision making is where do you go? Admittedly, I haven't played any in a very long time. So that may not be the case.
1: Yeah, we are we are setting ourselves up on hard mode cuz like well we haven't played very many visual novels but we're going to do mm. one uh as a tabletop game. Uh I you know I, let's let's explore the concept of how we would balance what, what's the uh the push and pull there of trying to escape with the
0: shapes that you build. I think it is so you'll get a randomly generated uh, maybe it's a bunch of square tiles that generate your like maybe four or five tile long map exit route um and you have to then take your powers and just make a sort of bridge at least past the dangers that are there um in order to get from one end to the other end in or and if you're able to do that then you win so that's your your final criteria, basically, is can you make a bridge long enough with your stuff? I think the other side is each of them have some kind of stat on them. And in order to initiate your escape attempt, you have to get X number of hearts with the protagonist and you get those by completing challenges. I think that's the most bland element right now. But I I do feel there's a good push and pull with... They are your powers might be good for the escape attempt because they're good shapes, but the stats might not be as good for you know for acquiring whatever is needed to initiate the escape attempt
1: hmm and is the is the escape route board is
0: that all tangly and twisty and tunnely? I think so. I'm picturing top down grid uh sort of rpg battle map style okay um but with a bunch of clearly marked like you know or this one has lines all across it and those are all fire pits and here's the electric fence which for some reason is a spiral and yeah you basically just got to get you you cannot land in any of these you you may only move in non-dangerous squares so you have to Bridge over any dangers, and I think the dangers being sort of like multi-square, you know constructs is where the where the challenge comes in.
1: Okay, yeah, so va- barriers and um uh, hazards that you're trying to weave around or go over or through. and I think some superpowers, they don't have to just be stats, but like they could have attributes like I suggested like a lightning bolt which would let you ignore hazards that are lightning, so you can just place the tile through it instead of having to go around it. So the routes you have available to you could also depend on what kind of tile it is. Does everybody know what the escape route is? Is it Do you not know until you draw it? Is it the same for everyone? Is each person's plan different?
0: I don't know. I think for simplicity, maybe we just say the escape route gets set up at the start so everyone knows what it is um or maybe maybe you build it over the course like every so actually if we assume for a moment that it is okay you need to get five hearts with a protagonist for them to help you escape maybe every time someone um every time the maximum number of hearts someone has increases another tile gets added so when someone gets a heart, you add the first one. Then when anyone gets uh, two hearts, you add the next one, etc. And And that means the final tile will always be a surprise. So there's always a little bit of of give with that. And then it's a question of, okay, do I go for it immediately before the tile is placed and hope that I'm going to be able to do it? Or do I take that heart then in the, you know, the setup phase between everyone's actions, the tile gets placed, and then do I, you know, give myself the extra time to maybe change something but someone else might manage to snipe it first? Hmm. All right. What's the, uh... Is there any incentive to
1: not just kind of stare at your thing for a while and figure out, hmm, can I do this?
0: Um... Well, you can always do that during other people's turns. So, I mean, we could in- institute a sand timer, but I don't know whether that will necessarily be needed. I could see people being a dick about it, but yeah, I'm trying to think of if the once you
1: just dis- would why would you ever decide to attempt it if you haven't already looked at your stuff and
0: plotted out the route in your head. Ah. Well I think that's the thing is when you get the fifth heart I think it's sort of a two phase thing of you have the board's phase and then the players all have their turns and then the board does its thing again and it's on when a person has got their fifth heart nothing gets placed until the fifth until the board gets its turn and on the board's turn is when the actual escape attempt happens and that way I think you also say if you have five hearts, you may declare you are making your attempt and then on the next board phase you make your attempt. So if you're the first person to get five hearts, you can you can guarantee that you'll get to make the attempt, but you have to declare it before you know what the final tile is. Otherwise, it's going back to everyone else's turn again. And at that point... point, they have a chance. Does everyone else... Does does it stay the same? Does everyone else see the entire route? Yes. At that point, everyone can see exactly what the route is, but then it's a mad scramble for, you know, who is ready to to make the attempt. Okay, so you're trying to really be the first
1: one ready. Yeah, because otherwise when it gets back around to that person's turn, they can try again and maybe they'll have
0: fixed their problem this time. Mm. Yeah, it is not an ideal thing because that is very easy if the first person says no I don't think I can make it I'm not going to risk it then yeah everyone is like from a gameplay perspective even though you're being a dick about it it's you know you are incentivized to spend as much time as possible just trying to look and see okay can I am I in a winning position here or am I not it could also
1: be something where one, maybe one tile changes every time. Like, every time you do an escape attempt, a tile gets replaced, so you never quite know the entire route. Or if every kind of turn was timed, and that sort of limits how long you have between attempts to reconsider things. But it also could be the sort of thing where, like, hey, one it's really a race to five hearts, because once you have that, the only obstacle is if you happen to not have, every, have everything set up for you to actually get out. And that's maybe fine. But then I don't know if the uh, the escape is really much of the uh, of the thinking of the game then. Or I suppose you're thinking it as you're as you're planning, as you're playing the game, trying to get closer to that. You're also trying to arrange things. So, I mean, I think this is interesting. I think this has some legs,
0: maybe. which may or may what not filled with superpowers. Yeah. What if? We broaden that. It's not just the escape attempt is tiles you pull out. What if the whole game is a map-building game? And you are able to use your powers... Like, the whole map is full of hazards and stuff, so you can use your powers to more rapidly traverse around the map. So you're not just having to build yourself a route now... It's something you're constantly having to think of of okay, I want to get to this room. How can I how can I use my powers to get myself there more quickly? hmm Why why do you need to get to one room or another? Yeah, I maybe we go back to the visual novel thing of you have to you know, in order to get the right hearts, you need to the protagonist is in a particular room that's randomly decided every round, you have to go there and do the right thing or something. I don't know
1: hmm uh what's uh i think i think the idea of the escape route being revealed over the course of the game as people progress i think i like that better
0: i yeah i think you can keep that if you have like the exit being randomly determined and i think you could do that with a simple card if the whole board is a board building game, because then you could say, okay, here's all the rooms we placed. Well, the you draw your card from the deck of escape options when you have your five hearts, and it says the engine room if you, is your escape room. Maybe the engine room's been played already, and then you have to work out, okay, how do I get there with my powers? What's my quickest route? Or maybe it's still in the deck... And someone else is going to draw it and has the option to be a dick and try and place it in the most inconvenient place. (laughs) I think what. So it's a traversal. I think I'm having a bit of
1: trouble thematically with what's going on there then. Uh, It seems like at that point you're not on. You've already escaped or something,
0: because otherwise, why would you be being blocked from moving around the facility? Well, I think it's sort of here are all the different areas in the facility. There are only certain bits you're supposed to be in, but using your powers, you can get around the security measures to go into places you oughtn't be. So there are places you can traverse safely. It's about getting past certain, you know, getting past obstacles is is the deal. And you get past the obstacles in order to not just escape, right? It's not just the last turn that you do this yeah, on? Yeah, it's not just escaping, it's getting to the right rooms for you to do the other mechanic of the game, which is whatever it is to get hearts. So you're, you have a two... You're, the shape of your powers is a two-step thing. It's all traversal, but it's both traversal to get around the map in general more easily, And there's also a sudden race as soon as you and everyone else knows where your end goal is. Hmm. In that that model, I'm not sure everyone would have the same escape room. Oh, yeah, I think everyone has a different escape room. Yeah, I think... But as soon as you reveal it, everyone knows what your escape room is. Hmm. It is a little weird that you'd have
1: to have, like, superpowers to navigate everywhere. Um hmm this is i mean this is potentially interesting but i think i do i think i like just just the one map element which is building the escape route itself not necessarily having to traverse the map by taking your powers out of your character putting them on the map uh every time you need to go somewhere
0: hmm so we've got about 15 minutes left um give me your the game that's in your mind right now of of where so we the are The game that's in my mind right now then is
1: everybody picks a cryptid um they're different silhouettes um you've got like kind mm. of a rim around them that constrains where you can place things uh then you've got a, a big old bunch of powers um I think I do still picture them as like a bag uh they're all oddly shaped maybe not even
0: adhering to a grid or anything. And then you've, okay. So it's just, it must be within the lines of your silhouette. Yeah. And so
1: on your turn, you can, and your, your goal is to escape and you need the protagonist to like you enough to, to set up the right distraction or whatever so that you can make an escape attempt. All right. So you've, you've got a track of how much the protagonist likes you. Um, and you can do various things according to cards to get them to like you. So you, on your turn, uh, let's say at the beginning, uh, everybody goes to the lab to be studied. And cryptids hate being studied. That's the whole point of being a cryptid. So you get studied and experimented on. And okay, you every, everybody you draw a new superpower, um, or everybody draws one, and then you try to fit it in your grid. Um, and if you can't then you don't get it. You don't get the new power. Other things you can do on your turn... or th- Well, then after that... Uh, I'll hold that thought for a second. A- after that, then you go around in a circle. Everybody takes an action. The action could be um, drawing a an opportunity card. Um, and those cards have different... have one or more potential things you could try and do. Probably just one with the protagonist um, to get them to like you more to get another heart Uh, you could just get rid of a superpower that is too inconvenient for you and it's in your way a lot Um, like if you're still starting to get full of junk Um, and uh, maybe there's some other actions but then whenever someone does get a heart with the protagonist they kind of get more of an idea of what's outside the facility because they're talking to them and you reveal another you place another tile you get to pick what edge of the most recently placed tile you put this on. So the route may not even be a straight line. Um, And the tile will have various hazards. You can orient it how you want, connect it to the most recently placed tile. And so once you get to five hearts or three hearts or whatever it is, we'll say five, uh, once anyone does, then people can start making escape attempts if you have five hearts. Uh, And to do that, you then have a timer of you trying to place Uh, You probably have a timer of putting stuff in your silhouette, too, of new powers, but you also have a timer of trying to deploy the powers to get around barriers and bypass or go over obstacles, and the powers have different icons on them indicating, uh, which might match with opportunity cards. You might need, like, oh, I need an electric icon to do this. Uh, They also could match hazards, making you immune to the hazard. Um, They might give you, and and they probably add up. Like, if you have, like, three brain icons, you can impress the protagonist by beating them at chess, and they they like you more for some reason. You know, that sort of thing. I think that's the game I have in my head right now. And so the first person to succeed in escape attempt wins, which is probably going to be the first person to five hearts, but they have a bit of a disadvantage because they'll be reviewing the last tile, so... I like it.
0: I have a couple thoughts. First, so you're building... The the map is only really relevant for the purposes of the escape route. I yeah? think so. Cool. I think as a good catch-up mechanic, the hearts are also tokens that take up space in your silhouette. Oh. So the closer you are to winning, the less space you have to work with. Okay. Um, I think also... It fits better thematically, at least. I don't know if mechanically, but thematically, I think inconvenience superpowers. As you're being experimented on, you don't get to pick whether, you know, if you don't have space, you can't not take it. You mm-hmm. have to fit it in. Okay. So you, if you don't have space, you've got to get rid of stuff until you know you what. Do That's better. Do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think we've kind of got something pretty good here. So you. Your drawing card... The only cards we have are basically opportunities. You must have this number and or combination of icons in your powers in order to, you know, candlelit dinner. You must have one fire <laughs> on you or something. Um, do you have to be... I guess we're eliminating the map outside of the escape route, so you don't need to be in a particular place. I think place. so. You I think the map
1: to, in terms of where you're going is, is basically... Um, just thematic. Fla- it's flavor text on the cards. Possibly, maybe different cards will be will have different colored challenges on them, representing different rooms. And like they might be grouped in that way. Um, and po- maybe maybe each card has two options on it for two different rooms. Like one's the library, one's the the gym or whatever. And so you can use you can use either one when you
0: play the card. Oh, I. Ju- what if. Each so your your the layout of the space that determines your escape route is a whole bunch of um basically just cards, yeah? Yeah, like tiles. What what well, what if they're not tiles? They're just they are just cards. But on the back, you have a big deck and they're all shuffled together, but on the back it tells you what type of room it is, like the library or the cafeteria or the I, I guess the romantic hill or whatever. Um, and you get to when you draw, you deal out like maybe three, and you get to pick which one you want and then place it, like you said, in which, uh, what side of the most recently placed one you want. But every room on the other side has one of a number of different challenges based on the type of room so you have some idea of what the escape route is based on the types of rooms you have to go through but you don't know the exact challenges so no one can be a hundred percent prepared for the escape route but you can stack your odds in favor of it and you only reveal the card when you get to it so the more escape attempts people make the more about the escape route everyone knows and the more prepared everyone can be. So like the front of the card is the challenge
1: and then you like slide it under an existing one on whichever side you picked, if the card has two ro- two uh, rooms available. And then when you try and escape, you flip it think, over.
0: Well, I guess that'd be inconvenient physically. I think it's front and back of the card. The front is, is the challenge, um, which is random, but based on the room. And the back is a little icon telling you what type of room it is. And you place them on the table in a grid for, you know, first you just put down the lab where everyone is. And then when it's your turn to add a new room, when you get a heart, um, you deal out three cards face down. So you only know what type of room they are. You don't know what the challenges are specifically. You pick the room type you want, keeping it face down, you place it, on any of the four sides of the room that's already on the map, and then the next one you place it on any of the three sides of the newly placed room, etc., etc., etc. So if, for example, you are and I guess to escape, you just have to leave. So Hmm. Is there any way you could create a branch? Maybe there's a particular room type that is like branchable room so that you can split it and if one person is being real unfavorable with like they've built themselves up to be really smart they're just doing library 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 and you can like shift the escape route in a different direction so that not everyone has to do it but also if that person gets almost all the way through the library route now you know exactly what all the challenges are except the last one on the library route but you don't know i guess what you know part of the way up to the split what all the challenges are but it's a mystery exactly what the challenges in the gym route are
1: hmm i think part of the issue with splitting it is at that point you're going to have some routes probably that are way shorter than others um because you always be wanting to put more more challenges on the routes
0: that you aren't planning to take yes but because of that that means everyone else is always incentivized to put stuff if everyone is incentivized to place cards yeah again in things that they're not spec towards yeah it'll it'll kind of work itself out
1: okay this is interesting because then you are kind of building a map and a route and i kind of like that i think practically though if you are if you are literally building your escape by connecting your superpower pe- weirdly shaped pieces back to back, you know, if you are literally making like a chain of superpowers to get out, i don't
0: then i don't think you're doing okay. that anymore. I i think the weird shapes of the superpowers only exists for your tetrising of getting them to fit in your silhouette for the escape attempt and for the I mean, the escape attempt... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Either you can use each one once or... Do we want dice involved? Do we want it to be a modifier of, like, roll a D6 plus all your fireballs I, I, I for this fire so. test? I think you just... If you have enough for whatever the...
1: the you just pass. Yeah, whatever challenge you pass. So you're looking for the right okay. combination so it's in which case case that supports if we're not literally having to rearrange these powers uh, which would actually be kind of annoying because if you failed it to rearrange them back on your character yeah um if it's more just you're tapping them so to speak you uh that does allow us to have longer routes because you don't have to be able to physically chain everything through and that works with the cards but every time you branch you are now
0: slowing the growth of the escape route if we allow branching i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure you need to tap them at all i think each each challenge is just you must have x amount of this and if we just have a big enough variety of different um you know descriptors that you have to have then even if because it could be like gym one the gym it is a smarts challenge in this particular gym card it's a low smarts challenge but it's a bit of a smarts challenge and I, or maybe this particular challenge needs a combination of two things. Or I, I think you could probably make that work. And I think the risk reward then is: how much further do I push it? I have five hearts. I could attempt the escape route now. Do we even say you need five hearts to? Maybe it's a minimum of five hearts to attempt the escape room, and every extra heart you would get, you just add to these es- Hmm. Are we do we want to tie hearts to adding to the escape length? Or do we just say at the start of everyone's turn you add to the escape length? Hmm. I don't
1: think we want to make the escape hard I don't think we want to make the escape harder and harder every turn forever, because then you could get it so where
0: no one could win. Yes, but you also have the branches. So if things are getting really tough, you can branch it. Hmm. And someone could branch it real early in the escape route.
1: At what point is an escape route complete? Like, at
0: what point does it have an exit? I think the escape routes all have, like, as long as you complete every card in the escape route, you leave. So if there's only one card, you can just do that one? I think maybe you have to have a minimum number of hearts to attempt it. But as soon as you've got that many, then you can attempt it no matter how long it is. And that's why I'm thinking every every turn you add to the escape route so that, you know, by the time anyone has five hearts, it's, it has to be a, a moderately long escape route by then. And the things you're adding to the escape route, those, must, those have to be physically a separate deck, don't they? Yeah, I think you've got two decks you well you've got two decks in a bag you've you've got a bag of of mutation of of powers you've got a deck of escape card escape location cards and then you have a deck of like romantic opportunities and the
1: romantic opportunity you play determines which uh, kind of escape card you gotta add
0: I guess we could do that. I was just thinking the kind you, like, you just draw the romantic opportunity. I don't know whether you have hands or you just draw them out randomly. Um, And it's like the, you know, you draw a thing from the deck once every round and anyone who can do that can, you know, can get a heart. But then it's super random. I don't know. Because it's just, does this random card happen to comport with your build? Um, yeah, I think we. There's some glue that we're missing that binds these two bits. Yeah, together. I think the. I think like
1: I was picturing that the card. Yeah, that the card that you draw or that you play has. Um, is associated with the room and so you have to put it on the map but then like you would be able to see the back of it first so that means you have to exchange it later when you reveal the room with some tile or something uh i think the i think you should have so uh, before we finish then because we're out, about out of time i think the cards that you draw for opportunities should either have multiple options on them or you get to draw like two cards and pick one um and i think it does i think it works with your idea that they somehow determine the escape route
0: maybe you draw several cards but the person whose turn it is get to pick which of the several cards goes out and each card has like a duration after which it goes away but it's a public card that anyone who can win it can can do when it's their turn yeah i think i think it just stays
1: in play if you don't if you do not you yeah. place it immediately and then you may fulfill any opportunities that are out there that you qualify for yes absolutely um we're still slightly wobbly on how you get out but
0: i think i think it's close enough i think you get out by just you say you declare you're attempting to escape and you procedurally go through every challenge in the list and if you meet the you flip over the card if you meet the challenge you move on to the next card if you fail the challenge then you stop any further cards, are uh, uh, remain unknown, and that's the end of your turn. Okay. Yeah, and you have to have a certain amount of hearts to do it. Yes, yeah. The five hearts, let's say, for ease. Okay. Well, we've made a that's thing. That's a very unusual thing, and I that's think, fun. Yeah, I think that is playable. We have several core mechanics that all basically work together.
1: Yeah, as as is often the case, the main challenge to if someone were to actually finish this would be the creation of all of the the cars, the silhouettes, the weird superpowers, the yes. content stuff. You got to that, fill it out. That's
0: a job for someone else. Right, the
1: basic design though, it's there. It's sound. I don't know what it sounds like.
0: Hmm. Uh, screams and clicking. I think. <laughs> I don't know what we would. What do we have? Bigfoot, Mothman, well, there are other good cryptids. Uh, Loch
1: Ness monster,
0: chupacabra. Hmm. Loch Ness monster.
1: Yeah, you said chupacabra. Uh, there's what is there? There's like the Jersey Devil, which I'm vaguely vaguely aware of, which is an American thing. Hmm. Yeah. You could throw in fantasy things like the like a unicorn,
0: also, but I don't know if that's too off theme. I guess. Oh, I um. Uh the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Have you seen that? I don't them? think I have. Oh, they're fantastic. They it so there's only two videos online purporting to be them, and they're both fantastic because they are just they are supposedly a creepy cryptid, and they are um like in, you know, bad quality um security CCTV cameras. But they're just like there's two of them, and each of them is just a giant white pair of pants <laughs> that runs across the screen in a really dumb. Oh, you know way. this is also, and I love, I love how stupid this they is also
1: look. making me think of the TV show Wellington Paranormal, which is pretty funny. Um, where a couple of New Zealand police are constantly ending up encountering paranormal things like werewolves. It's a spinoff of what we do in the shadows.
0: Yeah, oh, I I think this is a really... There's some strong stuff to yeah. this. I think so, too.
1: I think the, the theming is pretty fun, um, if a little dark. But it's also funny because normally in a visual novel, you are the character manipulating all the other ones, and now the tables are sort of turned. Yeah.
0: All right, well, that was... We might have mm. hit all of them. Let's see. Shall- oh, yeah. How have we have we done? Also, I, I have to first give you this picture of the Fresno and High Oh, right. right. <laughs> there you go. It's just some pants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, right. You could have a little gray man, like a Roswell gray could be one of the cryptids. And they Ooh, have yeah. a really big head that's super easy to fit stuff in, but then like skinny body. Mmm. Absolutely. This looks like a a badminton birdie. Yeah. Um, in the photo that Cass is showing me. Okay. I love them. They're such a dumb cryptid. They're great. I think we might have done okay on the prompt. Let's see. We have genre visual novel. We've we've done that as best we can. A uh, rule: inconvenient superpowers. Yeah. They are physically inconvenient to try and fit uh setting is military you're in mm-hmm. a military facility um being yeah. studied as cryptids and the theme is myth because you're urban myths hmm i think we've just
0: about managed
1: the lot. i don't know if this if, if we're stretching the definition of urban myth because it's not like um i'm trying to think of a good urban legend urban myth uh those those are usually I mean, more like modern call- superstitions like- as opposed to cryptids, but I think it counts.
0: I don't know what else you'd call
1: cryptids. Sure, you know what, they're, we'll drop the urban part. They're just, they're myths. Yeah. A lot of them are definitely not urban. Like, Bigfoot is very wildernessy. y yes. myths. That's right. Uh, rural myths, country myths. Sure, so we have the cryptids, those are the myths. All right, yeah, we got the prompt. Yeah. Congratulations to us. Thank you. Absolutely listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Cass and Joel Have One Hour to Design a Game. You can find more details about the hosts and the podcast in the show notes below. The intro and outro music was Gonna Start V2 by Kevin McLeod. You can find more details in the show notes and at incompetech.com.